This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to the Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen <laughs> from Stephanie's Dish. I'm Stephanie March from Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Yeah. She's a food editor. Right? Extraordinaire. We are here for the second hour of the Weekly Dish, brought to you by our friends at El Burrito Mercado, who in the month of July are celebrating their 40th anniversary. They have two restaurants. They have the St. Paul location and the Minneapolis location. So if you haven't been there yet, they've got a beautiful patio at both locations. And they've got grab and go, too. So someone was asking me about where can I get those tamales? I'm like, both locations have tamales that you can walk in the door and grab and go. Uh, It is time in the second hour for the top two and hour two. And now the weekly dish presents top two, top two, the top two. Pick your best two in our two. All right, give me two, winning, 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 All right, this is the segment of the show where we tell you two things that we've experienced or we're feeling fairly obsessed with. Stephanie, do you want to start? Sure, I'll start with this. I'm going to give you guys this read. I'm going to put it on the uh, the Facebook page for you. A link to it. Um, and it's basically about, it's a long read, and it's a good long read if you're, if it's raining tomorrow and you want to dip in. Um, it's about the natural wine movement. And it's about how, uh, radically new pays homage to tradition is what it's written as. Jonathan Nasseter, uh, who is the film director who made Mondo Vino, which is a great film, wine documentary that you should watch about the anthropology of the wine world. Um, this is a lot of people don't know what natural wine is. And a lot of people have heard things like, oh, what is, you know, you actually just said it's more natural mm-hmm. when you're talking about your French wines. And I thought that was funny because I had already had this link up, but it's really interesting because there's a lot of people who poo poo natural wines and there's a lot of people who uh you know reproach it and they talk about it they there's there's a lot of things going on in the wine world that are pushing forward and thinking about things differently and then there's a huge culture of tradition obviously that doesn't know what to do about that and it's um it's really interesting and it's a lot of climate you know, discussion and terroir and stuff. I just, I don't want to get into the, I would really love for you to read this because it's beautiful. And I'm just going to say that, um, you know, it's the idea that there was a great quote. I was trying to scroll through to find it. Um, One of the wine in when traveling and talking to the winemakers, they mentioned a lot of people getting new people getting into the industry, younger people that are growing these heritage grapes that, Basically, the heritage grapes just have they've been growing them for thousands of years, but they would just throw them into blends and they're trying to bring back like some of the more farmier grapes and make wine with them instead of just selling them off in bulk and trying to do new New natural things. things. Yes. And this here's the quote says they share a commitment to historical exploration of their terroir, not as a reactionary affirmation of the way it was not to say like, because these were great ones, but as a legitimate search for collective cultural roots. And I'm just, I'm so fascinated that because here's the deal. Not all natural wines are tasty, but it's a, it's a experimentation and it's a push and, and in an industry that is ancient. And a lot of that is happening in that Languedoc region in yeah. the south because traditionally the southern French wines were not thought of as very good. Yeah. 
So, yeah, very interesting. So it's really a great read. read. And if you're interested at all to kind of dig into like what that means as far as the culture of the uh, the wine industry as a whole, it's really interesting. So go read that. All right. So, Stephanie, I don't even think I told you that Mm. on Wednesday last week, I had an opportunity to have uh, experience at Demi for my anniversary dinner. No, I didn't know that. That's great. It and I will be honest. I went with my husband and our two friends, and my husband was my friend Miles, who you know. Yep, he's a big foodie. And my friend, my husband Kurt, had to come down from the cabin to go to this dinner, and he was like, "Oh, another multi-course dinner! Can't wait!" Wow, <laughs> he Kurt. was just bitter. I'm gonna punch him. He, uh, he, I loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved it from the moment we walked in the door to the special dishes that they presented. To the food itself that was creative and clever, but not fussy. Like they made it feel fun and lively. And it wasn't like this white tablecloth thing where you were afraid to pick up the wrong fork. It was all of the things that I want an experience like that to be. I felt like I could ask questions about the food, but they weren't too precious about it. They were fun. Kurt loved it. Which really surprises me because going into this, we tell them, hey, this man has a wine allergy and can't have vinegar in any of his food. Oh, right, right, right. Like, right. So he can't have balsamic. He can't have red wine vinegar and no Chardonnay. So they really have to make a different kind of approach for him. They didn't miss a beat. They didn't make him feel like a loser. They would no. present our items to us and tell us what was in it. And then they would say, and for you, sir, because you don't have the Chardonnay vinaigrette, you have blah, blah, blah. But like... A lot of times when he has an allergy, they just don't serve him a sauce. And so he has this sort of sad looking piece of protein with nothing on it. Oh, that's not there. No, they like worked around it. They found other ways to bring those flavors to life for him. It was fantastic. I it was worth every penny. I think it was two hundred fifty dollars for both of us to just dine. And then we spent another hundred and twelve on our drinks Mm -hmm. and our wine. Mm hmm. Fantastic. I would do it again in a second. Demi is wonderful. Good. All right. Nice. Okay. Well, my second one is not close to that refinement, but in deliciousness, I just have to say, Jake and I went to Lat 14 last night. Oh. And I know that I talk about it a lot, but I actually, I don't talk about it that no, much. We don't talk about probably enough. She's doing some really cool things there. Well, and there's still more cool stuff coming. In fact, because Anne Ahmed, the chef, she was there and she was like, oh, I've got, I want you to try something because I'm playing with this duck thing and I would love for you to. And so Jake and I both got to try this duck dish that I was like, what? And it was beautiful. Beautiful, but also there was this funky little like ground pork spicy dip, almost like a meat dip that went into lettuce wraps or went into. We put it on watermelon radishes and with cucumbers. I've had that, and it's got this funky, awesome fish fish sauce taste. I've had that, and And I can't remember the name of it, like knock plum, I think. And it was, I just can't stop thinking about it. It was so good. It was super spicy, but in all the right ways, where it wasn't like burning after, but just Well, and it wasn't hot. It was spicy, but it wasn't hot. It was full of spice flavor. And then I think that because that that fish funk, I kept going back. I kept going back. That fermented fish funk was awesome. But what I'm here to tell you is about, of course, the Thai basil crispy wings, which are (laughs) the things that I can't stop thinking about. I mean, those things are amazing. So Thai basil crispy wings. (laughs) Thai basil crispy wings. I haven't had those. Oh, they're my... You haven't? No. Oh, God, yeah. You got to go for that. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's it. Uh, my second one, I was thinking about the solstice, June 21st, the longest day yesterday. of the summer happened yeah. yesterday. And today kind of too. And I'm, I'm, I kind of feel like I've missed a little bit of summer because I was gone. So I'm like, I'm going to pack all this summer into the next couple of weeks here. 
And I started you thinking still about have summer though. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I started thinking about North Mellow marshmallows because I was at Kowalski's and they've redone their packaging. Mm. And it's really fresh. It's they're in bags now instead of the box. It's perfect for taking to the summer s'more events. Oh, good. And they have chocolate chip. They've got all just these different flavors. They make really good homemade marshmallows. It's a local Minnesota company. They're not cheap because they're a premium marshmallow, but you're only going to eat one s'more, right? Right. So eat a good s'more. <laughs> Wait, what? I'm sorry. I just said, yeah, right. And I don't mean that. Because yes, you do. No, I eat. That's the thing. Like, you have you to eat. have at least two or three. And you make your smeeches. So I smeeches. think these would yeah. be really good with one of your grilled peach Stephanie March smeech s'mores. That would be interesting. I'm worried about their ability to suck over a marshmallow or a caramel cube because that's the key to the smeech. No, they're square. It'd be perfect. But I think they're more dense. This is my worry. Those mallows are kind of dense, aren't they? Yes. So then you have to be able to, when you're pulling it up over the caramel cube, it has to then suck that caramel cube with it. I feel like it will just push it. And it okay, I'm going to buy some for you to try well, I know. Well, I'm gonna I tr- well, I mean, I can go and buy some too. I'm just going to buy them for you because okay. they're fun. All right. But I, I'm willing. I'm willing to try and I love them. And I think we are having burn today. We're definitely burning some stuff today. So I don't know. Maybe we'll try to make North that Mallow marshmallows. Find them. They're on all the end caps in the stores because they're kind of new and it's the season. So yeah. they're really a nice people. Husband and wife, they do a great job. And just, you know, as far as it goes with graham crackers and everything else, you know, I go with the standard honey made graham cracker. I think those are great. I haven't found any good graham crackers that are like a honey made graham cracker is just like perfection. I know. I kind of like feel a saltine. like I feel like that's the standard that is yep. hard to like beat because other people if, if they have like these artisan ones they're usually too thick or they're not. and the generic ones are too dry. Yeah. And then what's your feeling about a chocolate situation for your s'more? Are you straight up Hershey's? <sighs> are you like do you need to go fancier? I eat the Hershey's, but. Uh, Hershey's chocolate is just not good. Well, it's not not. Uh, here's my thing. I don't know if I can say it's not good because I do enjoy it on a s'more. And but it's that weird burn in the back. It's of your so throat. bitter and just like. Uh. But at the same time, I also don't want to put fancy chocolate no, on a s'more. I That's know. not right either. And the square, the amount of chocolate to graham cracker ratio and the way the squares work, like it's you almost have to it, do it. Right? That's right. So then I get into that weird space where I'm like, I don't, I don't. Somebody brought you know to our house these beautiful like candy bars of or squares and they're like this is amazing Valrona chocolate I'm like shut up <laughs> like, just shut up get out yeah I don't know I don't know so all right that's the top two in hour two when we come back I, I'm sure this is shocking we're going to talk about mindful drinking because we haven't talked about drinking enough today when we come back on the weekly dish hey everybody welcome back to weekly dish thanks for joining us this today and if you have missed any of our beautiful content of course you can dial us up on the podcast and uh anywhere you find podcasts podcast one all the good stuff we're just there there's extra content on there so that you can have uh hear fun some fun stuff i know last week we talked about the tequila there was a woman who called in and i directed her to one of our my tequila posts and so that was good and if you want to hear about uh, Uncle Paul and about being yeah. on the canals, I did a podcast on the road, actually, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. pretty fun. Kind of awesome. He was so excited. Um, I had to edit out his breathing. What do you mean? He was just heavy breathing. Oh, I was really? like, wow, okay. <laughs> I've never noticed like the <sighs> just breaths. That's really funny. It was funny. Um, so guess what? It's Pride Weekend. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if you had all the rainbow flags flying everywhere, but I'll tell you what, it's pretty nice that I, I got to say it's nice to have the rainbow stuff like the entire month of June, it feel, felt like. Can I just ask you something as a mom? Yes. Yeah. This kind of came up yesterday. 
one of my friends is a lesbian woman and has a son and she did a video asking her son like what does pride mean to you mm-hmm. and i thought about it i want to know like because we both coincidentally we both have, yeah, have gay children have gay adult children and we didn't when we started this journey together we didn't know that we were both going to end up having gay children <laughs> because our children came out during the course of us working together what does pride mean to you pride means to me that there is uh, a day and a space where there are just absolute freedom to be allowed to be yourself and to not to remove the fear of being judged for that is such a gift and i walk around the pride festival and i think about how it's just a show of everybody being able to be themselves where i think most of us as straight humans have that privilege every single day all the time and yet they don't and i think about my own son who at times was worried about would sit at work at his corporate job and when he got a first new job and was worried about how do I, when they're all like elbowing each other in the ribs about, Oh, you got, you know, I'm sure that girl's totally hot for you or you're going to have a girl this weekend or go, you know, like he didn't know how to handle that. And he was terrified of saying, actually it's going to be a boy. And so he was, you know, like that kind of fear and then wondering what that's going to mean in your relationships and all this kind of stuff. We never felt that. We never had to feel that. And right. so for me, pride is really about, a, you know, just that that moment to say, yes, this is who we are and it's great. And I think it creates inclusivity for lots of different types of groups. Right. Just this. Um, I think it's sort of broken open this door of, you know, Yes, it is based in um, disenfranchised people that get to be who they are for this moment. But I think it also has opened the door for just love who you love, be who you are. And that whole sentiment, I think, resonates with young teenagers, resonates with just me even just trying to like live my best life and be authentic to who myself is and live in not judging, trying to be right. more open, right. trying to break down some of my old stereotypical thinking. Well, and when you think about a society and how we have to function in a world together and how we're all in this on this planet to move forward, to move our society forward or to make it prosperous, to make it healthy, to make it a good place for all of us to be, it seems very counterintuitive to then say, but no, no, not for you, not for you, yeah. like only for this. Yep. And that to me has always been a strange idea. And I know that there was a lot of people who threw out this whole, like, what about a straight, you know, pride day? And I will just say that back in the 1988, I was in my favorite humanities class with my favorite teacher, Ms. Melody Margaret Monaghan. And somebody said that. Somebody said, well, what about straight pride? And she's like, honey, every day is straight pride. That's right. <laughs> and it is every single day there is a celebration of straightness. Marriage, And love, then all that yeah. kind of good stuff. And I'm just saying that what I am grateful is that there is a place and a time. And, and hanging out with the gays at my work the other day and all of them being so excited to just be with their friends and be able to just kind of let it go. Yeah. Why not? I love it. All right. So if you are looking for some fun, I just want to let you know some things that are happening with Pride. Now, just remember this. It is down at Loring Park. It's today and tomorrow, as far as the festival goes, um, that you can walk around. But the pra- the parade is tomorrow. It is a Sunday parade. And the route has changed. So if you had a traditional spot where you would always kind of go and hang out, you may have to rethink that because they are not coming down Hennepin anymore. 
Um, they're, I think they're coming down second. South second. South yep. second. Um, so there is... Starts at 11. Look for the My Talk pontoon. Exactly. All the talent will be on it. Everybody will be there. Um, I'll let you know that Manello is having a patio party for that. So if you want to grab over to Hotel Ivy and you can watch the parade from there, there there's a no cover. They have a beautiful patio they have, there. They have a great little patio over there. And then afterwards, they're doing party down in Constantine after the parade, which is a great the smokiest, little spot. darkest little oh. like romantic yeah, spot. To super have a awesome double burger. Um, but if you don't want to drive to the parade, by the way, the Herkimer is doing a cool thing. They have a beers, brunch, and a bus to Pride. Um, and that means that they are just for 35 bucks. You can go park there or in that area, get some brunch, have a couple beers or mimosas, whatever you want, and then they will bus you to the parade. I love that idea. So that's kind of nice, too. There's no worry about parking, yep. and you don't have to worry about, you know, and you can already start your drinking right in the morning there. Um, here's a crazy thing happening today that I just don't know if I fully understand. Uh, Smack Shack is doing a foam party. Do you know about this? I do, because Jason Matheson is going to be in the foam. I'm not exactly sure how that works yeah. or why he's going to be in the foam. He's going to be, but you can rent your own Mitsubishi truck with a little tiny, in the back of the flatbed of the truck, the pickup truck. You can have your own foam party. You and three friends can then rent the truck and be doused in foam and you have a whole bottle of rosé all day. and Fun. I know, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> sorry, I'm like, but I'm all for it. How many trucks are there? <laughs> Is this like, and are you roaming around? And I think, no, you're just kind of parked and hanging out in the foam. I would totally do it. It's like a foam. It's like a hot tub, but for foam. Yeah, I like it. Foam is crazy. Uh, if you are looking for, I think this is a fun one, the Pride Comedy at Sisyphus Brewing. Have you ever been to Sisyphus? No. It's not too far from the Sculpture Garden. It's like right down in that kind of area uh-huh. and kind of by Dunwoody. Yeah. And it's a little brewery that gets, they have a stage and they often do comedy there. And so they are doing Pride comics. And I think I kind of thought about maybe going tonight to that because that would be fun yeah and it's like 20 bucks and there's two sets there's a 530 i think there's a 7 and a 930 or something like that but i mean it's like seven or eight comics who are all you know sort of pride focused and like i think that's a really fun way to laugh it up and yes. kind of kick it off if you're gonna do that um and then of course uh well i guess last night it was the football which i love that the football every year at memory lanes which is a non you know a substance free event but that already happened but apparently there is a one hit wonders dance party uh, down at, this is going to be kind of exciting, I think, at the Bird, you know, off of Lone yeah. Park. So it's basically, it's at the Bird. It's a one-hit wonders dance party. Come as your favorite one-hit wonder, whether it's Chumbawamba or Crystal Pepsi, and dance <laughs> until your top pops. It says, we'll be serving $2 jello shots with their signature Pride cocktail, the Naughty Pride, or the Naughty Sprite. And it's a DJ, and it's just going to be, I mean, they're going to be doing one-hit wonders all night. I think that is so fun. And it's a 21+. plus. That one is 21+, plus, but it's free to get in. Um, everybody says that if you go to, of course, Lurkot, which is right off of the Pride thing, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's just like jam-packed, and it's a really great time, but it's very, very busy, so don't, you know, expect that part of it. Um, but there's other things that are happening, you know, as far as like block parties at Lush. That's happening today. If you're interested in that tonight, you know, Lush is over off of University. Or, I'm sorry, Central Avenue. Yep, Central. Yep. Do you yep. have a one hit wonder that really like works for you? <sighs> I mean, I sort of feel like Come On Eileen by Dexy's Midnight Runners is the oh, ultimate. Oh, that's a great one. But how do you dress up as Come On Eileen? <laughs> How about this one? No, that's a bad, that was a bad question, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody was Kung Fu fighting. That's a good one. And you can wear your Kung Fu outfit. That's a good one. Or Barbie girl. 
I'm a Barbie girl oh in the God. Barbie world. That's a lot. Yeah. That is pretty good. Baby Got Back. Yeah. Sir Mix-a-Lot. That was his only hit. Oh, really? Or who was the guy whose nose fell off? I don't know that. Remember the guy with the fake nose? Well, he was the hump. Yeah, but Humpty Hump, that guy. It wasn't his because his nose fell off. It was just that he wore. <laughs> he just had nose issues. Let's just say that. I don't think so. <laughs> I think you're wrong. Um, tonight at Lurcott, there is an '80s pride oh, party. Mickey, you're so fun. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, that's. I could keep going. You yeah? Is that? Did you pull up something on the oh, yeah. old interwebs? Because I was like, I was like oh, what there's are no the best? way that that's in your head. That oh you know no, that. Stephanie. No. There's nothing in my no. head except food and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just so we know, one more last thing is that Lurkot. I want to make sure that you know that there's total 80s pride to go along with my total 80s fascination lately. Um, is that they are today, today from noon to eight, they're jamming completely with uh, DJs and crazy good stuff. Um, and then tomorrow from noon to six, they're back for another whole fun thing. No cover of food and drink specials all, all time. There you go. There it is. Be proud and be if proud. If I said to you, I was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar, could you tell me who sang that? That no. much is true. <laughs> no, gosh, I was listening to Steve and Donna play their f- game. Yeah. And neither of them could identify the human league, oh, which I felt league. like that was so 1980s. That is like quintessential 1980s music. But I'm really bad with band names anyway. Like okay. that's, I'm the worst person to ask for that. Jake is always, I have to ask him all the time. Like, is that hippocampus? He's like, no, not every song is hippocampus. <laughs> I'm like, oh, but okay. we want it to be because oh, okay. I love those kids. I know, but I just like, I'm like that sounds like hippocampus. He's like, no, <laughs> it's the bats. And I'm like, oh, well, the bats. Okay. Sorry. So I'm bad at that. Oh. Anyway, there you go, Prideys. That's what we got for you as far as that goes. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the moral of the story and talk a little bit about some fun stuff, other stuff happening around town. We'll be right back. This is The Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. I'm Stephanie March, and I am sorry that I was trying to end the show. <laughs> I was trying to end the show <laughs> and skipping over your segments and just sort of closing it up. It's I was just going with it. I know. You were just, you and I just content. bowled right over you. Yeah, no worries. Shocking everyone, I'm sure. No, no worries at all. Actually... I, so sometimes things happen while I'm traveling and I bookmark them because I'm like, oh, I want to talk to Stephanie about this. Yeah. I am fascinated by this new, okay, not new. There is this trend of things happening that you, people seem to be defining themselves more by what they're not doing than by what they're doing. So I've been noticing in my Facebook feed this like 50 days without drinking has been showing up. And then I've also been noticing um, people talking about their sober Sundays, sober Saturdays. And I'm like, huh, is this a thing? And then there was an article in the New York Times about mindful drinking and that it's the new sobriety. So in the day, because my parents were drug and alcohol counselors, right? Mm -hmm. So you would go to, if you decide to stop drinking, you either did that for two reasons. One, like sometimes health reasons, but nine times out of 10, it was because you were an alcoholic and you'd gone to, you would go to AA or you decided that you were going to stop drinking. And when you were at a party and people are like, Hey, do you want a glass of wine? It would be like this uncomfortable thing, right? Because you didn't want to get into your whole sobriety journey with somebody. Right. Usually if someone finds their way to AA, it's because their life has become unmanageable with drinking. Right. Well, now there's this whole movement towards I am not defined by whether I drink or don't drink. 
And I'm just choosing not to. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not having issues necessarily. I'm just trying to explore what it feels like in the world to be sober. And I just am like, what is this? Is this a thing? (laughs) It's people needing to talk about every single thing they think and feel every minute of the day. Because why don't you just... Not ha- it's like I'm not talking about how I'm not eating fish right now, or you know what right, I mean. Like, right. this is what's strange to me, and I'm having this weird reaction to this. And I'm not, and it's not because I think everybody needs to drink. If you're sober, you are ace, aces, great, one hundred percent, good job. I just don't know why that has to be a part of your definition. I guess if if you're saying that you're not doing it out of a control reason, yeah. So it's basically this idea that suddenly someone who doesn't do things becomes a better person. Right. It you're a better person because there's this whole judgment almost about like, ooh, I, you know, sober Sunday. If you have a if you're into sobriety and you're going down that journey, believe me, it has changed the lives of many people. I am not judging sobriety. No, my, no, no, no. No. My mother was an alcoholic that was in recovery for years and has helped many people get there. You know, I am all for people that go to an AA and need recovery. Please do that. I just think it's interesting. Like, well, I'm intentional about my wine drinking. Like, I only drink wine with food or I am really using this opportunity to explore what it feels like to be in the world as a non-drinking person. Like, can't you just do that? Well, this is the thing. Without it being a thing. But isn't that then you're... I mean, that's like, I don't I'm having a weird thing about that because it's almost like I'm exploring what it's like being in the world as being a non uh, CrossFit person. Like, yes, like that's I'm not doing CrossFit. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm not doing CrossFit. You would be a new. So they're calling these people the new abstainers and they have sober, curious yoga retreats. Well, here's the deal. OK, let me let me back up to something that I do agree that there should be substance free things. But most yoga retreats are substance free. That's right. Stephanie. And so I don't think I think and I think that if you are making sure and it's something that you are putting a flag on because you want to make sure that there are no there is no other substance around you. That to me seems like a control more than just I'm going to go and I'm not going to drink because I I'm a person who's in this place of not drinking but then that becomes more of a definition does that make it it by actually saying it's part of your definition that's a control that's so then that is a strange that is a strange thing in my mind there's eighteen thousand followers on a facebook page called the sober movement there's a podcast called sober curious a book that was written about it i know in the coast new york and you know the east coast west coast which is where we see a lot of these things bubble up uh, there, people are posting smiling pictures of themselves, cartwheeling, uh, beer binge free abs, party sober, end the stigma, sober is sexy, sober is the new black. <laughs> um, there's gray area drinkers. Once I removed the option of drinking, a whole new world up opened up to me. And I, trust me, I'm, I'm definitely, I get it that there's a huge, you know, party drink a lot sort of push too. it's the same thing of like you know i get it that there's a lot of corporations and a lot of people that are invested in getting you to buy alcohol and to and to be a part of this whole party scene and it is you know a substance that a lot of people struggle with and so i'm 
I, I get I like the idea that there might be something other to that. And, yep. and that's why I think people who are who are who want to be sober and want to stay together to be sober, you know, or want to create sober or substance free events. I think that's a beautiful and awesome thing to do. And maybe that's I do know that when people go down their own road and maybe decide to stop drinking, that one of the hard things about them is socializing. I think that so might I do be true. like it yeah. for this reason. Yeah. Um, because people are either identified as a wine guzzling party animal or a clean living health freak. Perhaps the middle ground yeah. is maybe where well, people are trying to get to. I just think that I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, so I support that too. Cause I, I think you make choices based on how you feel about things for your own self. And that's what that's called living. <laughs> okay. But here's this. There's a woman who runs something called the listen bar an alcohol free bar open one night a month. And it's run by a woman who says she's not sober. I do drink, but I also mostly don't drink. What? What is happening? See, and then that's them. It's all like social media hoo-ha. Well, that is putting things into a whole different space. That is saying that is saying that that's a that's a that's like that's trying to package something into a mark. That's a branding moment, and that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, that's the same thing as pegans. You know that idea that it's like I'm a paleo, but I'm also a vegan. You can't be a vegan if you're eating meat. By the definition of the vegan, you can't be sober if you're also drinking. There's also these movements, the smart recovery movement. Um, and they did ask. Uh, I wonder uh, if this. OK, go ahead. Sorry. Well, they asked Alcoholics Anonymous right, to right, speak right. on it. Yeah. I thought this was interesting. They yeah. said AA doesn't have any comment or other methods for getting sober uh, on any other methods for getting sober. There are lots of different options for getting sober. AA is not trying to convince anyone that this is the only way to stay sober. We have just found a way that works for us and we share that with others. And well done for them. That was a perfect statement. Um, Very perfect. Yes, I because I, they don't want to be, but I would think that someone who has worked their butt off to control themselves from having alcohol and are sober by the, by, by fight, you know, and then to have someone go, I'm sober, but sometimes I drink. That would piss me off, I think. You know? Yeah. I think that to say you're sober curious or to say you're sober, to, to say that I'm sober, but then I cocktail here and there. Well, and it's like, like a of, weird thing on it for the ones who are fighting. And I always am struggling with food, right? Good, bad, and otherwise, I'm obsessed by it. And it's been my whole life's journey to figure out how to live in my body physically, emotionally, and try to deal with this just endless love of food that I have. And it's not always a bad thing, but it is a thing for me of just, I'm always there, right? And it would be like me, like, I'm not deserting. I'm not deserting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I eat dessert, but mostly I don't. Yeah. And then I would tell you about that. And then then I would make a thing about it. And making it like a definition of your selfhood instead of it's just a thing that like maybe I just choose to do for me today. Well, that is a weird thing that we're maybe. Why are we saying that like I I have to stand behind everything as like a a stamp of my selfhood that I'm putting a flag in the ground and becoming I am a coffee person and I am not a tea person except for on sometimes in the winter. I'm a tea person. (laughs) Like, what is that? I think it, that's what, that's the heart of what this, what I wanted to have this conversation about because do you? Like, I don't yes. care. Drink, don't drink, whatever you got to do. But that we're putting these flags in the ground and making these new movements seems interesting to me. I know. And well, that it's a trend. And is it just because now we can join on social media and put a hashtag to it? Yeah. I think that's, I think, okay, well, here's the deal. I think. <sighs> People feel lost and there's a lot of stuff out there and it's a big, scary world. And the thing that the best part of social media is that it has allowed us to connect. I was talking to this about this with someone the other day 
There are a lot of levels which it has allowed us to connect with people who we find like us. And so we feel less alone. And so then it becomes a thing where like, what is it that is I need to connect to someone on? I'm having these feelings about it. And instead of just, you know, like doing sort of connecting within your group of larger aspects in that way, they look for the specific group and they look to narrow it down and connect on that. And then it becomes like like you have to wear it. (laughs) Yeah, I know a little bit. And also I think the hard part is brands have figured that out, that that's a human collective thing. Yeah. And that's where you get people marketing to you, you know, and we're certainly seeing that with pride. Yeah. You know, we are all of the brandification of it is great, but there's also a negative side probably. Well, even with the women's, the women's world cup, which uh, there's been some stuff talking about that. And I'm like, by the way, I'm here to support every damn brand that supports the women's world cup. Like I would buy a Volkswagen tomorrow if I could, because I know that they funnel money into women's soccer. And so to me, that is a valuable thing. And if someone is supporting the pride movement, yeah, I know they're marketing to you, but that's how sponsorship works. Yeah. And that's like if they're support if they're giving money so that their logo is there, yeah, I'm okay with giving them my money back because they're they're half of the reason that these events can happen. Well, and I'll wrap up this segment by just saying this. With beer sales sliding for five years in a row, brands are exploring alcohol free as a potential growth area. Brands. This past winter, Heineken unveiled zero point zero with a now you can advertising campaign showing responsible adults enjoying its no buzz brews in work meetings or even while sitting behind the wheel. We'll leave it there. (laughs) We'll be back. We are the weekly dish and we are back. It is the moral of the story. And I just want to remind people that if you're out and about in this beautiful weather, when it's beautiful like this, El Burrito has the, how do you say it, Stephanie? The elote? The elote. The elote corn stand Mm -hmm. is open. So check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The moral um, of the story. Moral of the story. Do you want to? Do you want to bring back to what we were just saying? Because you feel like you didn't get to say it. Well, I felt like I wanted to frame up that conversation that we just had a little differently, and then you said something that I thought was interesting. I just think it's a little bit when we're talking, and I'm not a big on the big like it's offensive, but I I'm very cognizant of the aware of how much people do struggle with sobriety for for someone to sort of dabble in it and sort of pretend like ah, this today i'm going to be sober the actual sober being sober for a lot of people that isn't it's not just not drinking it's a life changing thing that they struggle with and really want to achieve to make a better life it's not something they turn on and turn off and alcoholism is a disease and it is a disease and it's like and it's an effect like someone saying i'm just kind of dabbling in being cancer free yep and so I think that when you say you're sober curious, I think you should think about what that means to someone who might actually be sitting there struggling to not take a drink so that their life doesn't go down. And it's the not tubes. a hashtag. It's not a hashtag. So, so that, I think that's a better that's way of we why that was just bugging me and getting in my craw. Yeah. Um, all right. So podcast on a stick has launched. Mm-hmm. If you are interested in, you know, we're, we play multiple masters here. So we have this whole state fair podcast that will be out at the state fair this year. Steph and I every day for all 12 days, so find podcasts on a stick on podcast one or wherever you find your podcast and subscribe because we'll do some preview episodes and we did a preview episode of new foods. It gets a little tricky because we forget what we've talked about where. So <laughs> we're not trying to not talk about yeah, new foods. We've just already done that. Um, and it is on our weekly dish Facebook page too. So you can find our commentary there. And then we also have a whole podcast every week called weekly dish. And we do what we call the second helping of weekly dish that we drop every Wednesday And that is content that you can only get by subscribing to that podcast. So 
They redo the radio show hours, but there's also original content there. So you can find that. I know people are starting to get more into podcasts. You can find podcast apps like Spotify or Stitcher, or you can just use um, your Apple podcast information or your Android podcasts. So how are you get it? Um, letting you know that tomorrow is the Uptown Food Tuck truck festival do you know about this no and i went once and that was super fun it's crazy it's uh 65 plus food trucks all in uptown lake and hennepin um and it's uh it's a free event you know but you have to get in line (laughs) so it's from 11 to 9 p.m so it's all day so you can pop in and pop out but just be aware like my whole thing is use some group tactics like divide and conquer like, get a place in the middle and then be like, okay, you go to that truck, I'll go to this truck, we'll go to this truck, we'll meet back here. Because it is, the lines tend to be pretty big, I okay. will say. I've gotten to figure that one out. Um, so that's happening. Also, uh, <laughs> I love this, that at the Kingfield Farmer's Market, they're doing a bake-off. Oh! They're doing a little fundraiser bake-off. But if you are someone who is like, you know, kind of wants to do a British bake-off, kind of, if you're obsessed, you basically can, um, you can get into it, you can enter, you can still, you have to, you do have to make a hundred samples. But I mean, for people who love to bake, that's not a big deal. It could be like a cookie, it could be a brownie bite. But the best part is too, you are, can for five dollars, you can be a judge. So you show up for five bucks, you get a sampler platter, and you get to like judge all the bake-off stuff. Okay, that's a really clever Isn't idea. That good? Yeah, and that because so many people want to like, oh, you're, we love your job. You have the best job in the world. Yeah. Well, here's your chance. Yeah, go eat at it's it's on Sunday, nine thirty a.m. Um, that's when the that's, that's when fun. the bakers have to be there, and then afterwards at ten a.m. you get to start eating. If you were going to do a signature baked item that only you, Stephanie March, that you think is amazing, that you're going to enter into a contest, what would it yours be? Well, it's going to be the thing. I'm going to put this recipe up. We talked you about say it last this, week. and then I you know. don't. You know what, you guys? <laughs> writing recipes, not easy also. Like, just doing that. So I am sorry for that. One thing I will put up this afternoon is the quinoa, because I've gotten a lot of people yes. saying, where's the quinoa? And I was, like, finding similar recipes don't and sending it. them to people. Don't do it. Don't give them the bad stuff. Uh, I'm just going to put it up, but it is, uh, you know, it's just, it's a it's a summer quinoa. It's not that big of a deal. I think that's part of it. It's like, it's not... I know, we make things just innately and then yeah, I was like, what it's is hard the recipe? When you're like, what's the recipe? And I'm like, you put things together and there they are. <laughs> that are in your fridge. Yeah, so um, I'm going to put that one up for today, but my, my bakery bite is the thing I'm going to bring to a thing tomorrow, which is the double frosted bourbon brownies. Oh, and those I are, don't even think you've mentioned these I've, before. I well, they're kind of from my past, and okay. but they're also like a thing that I don't make often because it's just it's a lot. <laughs> it is a sweet bomb. It's a bourbon bomb. It's really intense. I would bring my plum buckle. That's yeah. actually not mine. It's William Sonoma's, but I've modified it a little bit, and yeah. I do it with plums, apricots, raspberries, strawberries, whatever I have, rhubarb. And yeah. it's a delicious cake a that has two sticks of butter in it. Yeah, why not, right? Seriously. <laughs> so post that. Or maybe it would be my mom's pound cake, which is posted around yes. town and has our I stuff. I think that recipe is even on my Stephanie's yeah. dish page, I it think. Is. Yeah, it I is. made it. Yep, yep. So that's what I would do for sure. Um, I don't really want to compete in bake-offs, though. I mean, like, personally, like, I don't have any, like, I just feel like I'm not a baker. My point is that I'm not, like, a baker who's, like, exact about things. You know, I'm not. Yeah. I'm and not, baking, you have to be exact. Yeah, and I sort of mess up sometimes. And for instance, you know, I didn't have enough cocoa the last time I made those brownies. So I used like, like I didn't have enough like bittersweet cocoa yep. kind of baking cocoa. So I just used like hot chocolate cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have no idea how that made the brownies turn out any different, but it was fun. You do your style of cooking is. is really funny to me because it's kind of like my friend Mickey, where you don't you don't get trapped by recipes no. and you just sort of use you're very intuitive, but also you're not afraid to make mistakes and try stuff. Like right. that wouldn't be me. Like I'd run out and get the chocolate. Yeah, no. <laughs> Maybe that's just because I'm lazy. Then you know what I mean. But no, you've always I was halfway through out. it, and I was like, oh, and like, okay, well, here's some hot cocoa mix. Um, but I do think that there's something about the more that you start to understand how things work, the more that you become it. I think the intuitive cook is all from the fact of being you know, confident in the way things work. Mm -hmm. And so if you're someone who's like, I can never get off of a recipe, I would say, give yourself some credit and maybe try you. I always talk about this book is the one that kind of got me to free up a little bit, which is Nigel Slater's appetites. Yep. Or ratio. Yeah. It is just where you just let it go and you start to think about things in terms of how it's built. I have never followed a soup recipe in my life because I understand how to build soup. So I don't ever need to follow a recipe ever. And it's harder for me to write that. And I do follow recipes. You do, and there's no judgment. But most often I do. And most often I look at a recipe and I like I said, I'm subscribed to the New York Times recipe collection. So I look at them and I go, Okay, this is how this works. This is what I'll do. Yep. But it does take time and sometimes I follow a super recipe and then I turn it into something else. So anyway. All right. Ciao ciao. Ciao ciao everybody. Have a great weekend.